Hi, friends. Welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. My guest for this episode is Jennifer Wilcox. Jennifer is a wife, mother of two, and the founder of Rahab's Heart. Rahab's Heart is an organization based in Colorado that seeks to empower women living in poverty, and it helps them to find hope and community. Jennifer desperately wanted to be a mom, and the Lord heard her prayer and answered in an amazing way. I am so thankful to have had the opportunity to chat, so here's my conversation with Jennifer Wilcox. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me on the Faithful Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Stephanie. Yeah, um, I'm really excited for folks to hear just your story of the things you've been through, the hard stuff, and God has brought you through and is showing His faithfulness. Not that we are at the end of the journey or any means, but just seeing that faithfulness along the way. So just thank you so much for taking your time to, to talk with me. Well, thank you. This has not been an easy journey to let this information out there, yeah. but God has shown me that I need to because so many people need to hear my story. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there thinking that God can't use them because they have too much baggage mm. and God can use anybody. And he's really shown me that through this journey. Oh, praise God for that. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am an adoptive mama. And I have two young boys that are age seven and eight. And let me tell you, when you have two that close and you go from no children to two children, it will turn your world upside <laughs> down in a hurry. <laughs> yep, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. So I live in Colorado. Okay. Um, which I'm kind of biased. I feel it's God's country because it's absolutely beautiful. We have a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um yes, I live out here in Colorado with my husband and our two young boys, and I run a nonprofit out here in Colorado, and it's called Rahab's Heart. Mm. And so I know we'll get a little bit more into that, of how my adoption story ties into that. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Colorado is gorgeous, and I'm a little bit jealous. I'm from Houston. There's not a whole lot of, I mean, I'm sure there's places that I think are beautiful, but it's not exactly beautiful countryside out here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, see, I get a little jealous because I want the warm this time of year. Oh, okay. Yeah, today is a gorgeous day, I will say. It's one of those days where we went out this morning and ran some errands and did some stuff with my my daughter and my mom, and, like, you couldn't ask for better weather. It was just a little bit cool. That's about what we get (laughs) November time. It's a little bit cool (laughs) and just not a cloud in the sky, so it was was lovely. It was a good day. Well, at least. At least all the snow is melting now, so we're back at 53 today, so we're on a heat wave right now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a total heat wave right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, can you tell us how you came to know Jesus? Well, that's an interesting story. So, you know, I knew about Jesus when I was a child, and the only reason why I knew about Jesus, I did not grow up in a household that had Jesus at all in it. Um my mom actually sent us to vacation Bible school because she needed a vacation from us children. Mm, so okay. in a way for me, that was a blessing because I was excited to go because I knew it would be a week without any of the um, physical and verbal and all the abuse that I suffered as a child. 
So I knew that none of that would happen during that week. So I just wanted to go to get away from that. And so while I was there, I learned about Jesus. I didn't fully understand Jesus, you know, being in that 10, 12 range there. Um, I I never really fully understand Jesus until my 30s, honestly. Mm. Um, But how I really, I just, I broke down one night crying. Um, At the time, my current husband, he was my boyfriend and we had a little spat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I went into the guest bedroom and I just started crying and crying out to God because I had so much anger and hate in my heart Mm. that I needed to get rid of that. And it wasn't good for me. I was a very angry person and I would always, I was that type of person that would be like, oh, well, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. Mm. And so I never took responsibility for my own actions. And that night, I'll tell you, it went on for about six hours and I just cried out to God and poured out everything to him, all the anger and the hate and the resentment that I was feeling from my childhood. Mm. And I felt his presence come over me like nothing I had ever felt before. Now, I accepted Jesus when I was a teenager by going to those vacation Bible schools. But, you know, at that age, we just really don't fully grasp it, especially if we're not in a home where that is being taught, because I believe that that message needs to start at home. Yeah. And then we go into the church. It's not the church's responsibility to raise our children to become to know Jesus. It's our responsibility as parents. And so I did not understand Jesus that, you know, and that 10 to 16 range as I started getting older. I just, I never did. I knew he was out there, but it didn't make any sense to me. And so, like I said, I really did not come to know him again until 30s. And at that time, I just, I asked him to come back into my life and show me and guide me. And boy, that made a world of difference. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned um, this marriage. What was the situation leading into that marriage? You said it was not a a good situation. So my marriage current at that time, that was the boyfriend that I was leading that I'm married to now. Mm -hmm. Um, We dated for... (laughs) A very long time. We did everything backwards. Yeah. (laughs) When you don't have God in your life, you don't know how you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? You know, you don't know that what God commands of you. And Mm -hmm. so we did everything backwards. We moved in together. We were, I mean, pretty much married without being married. Yeah. So we were living in sin. And, you know, that's part of my story. And that's Mm -hmm. okay because God has forgiven me for that. But, you know, we fought a lot um, just. And mostly it was me because I had a mouth on me and I could cut you down in a hurry with my tongue, you know, and what does God say about our words? We're supposed to use them to uplift people. We're not supposed to use them to hurt them, but I was a hurt person. Mm -hmm. So when you're a hurt person, you're hurting others. And that was the cycle that I was following. So I was hurting him a lot with my words. Mm. And so, you know, now we're still together. We, um, we came together in 2001. We didn't get married till 2007. Mm-hmm. And here we are in 2020, the year of all kinds of craziness. Yeah. <laughs> We're still together. Wow. Um, so, yeah. But before that, Stephanie, um, you know, I had a previous marriage. I got married at 19. Mm. I was only married for six, uh, six months, but I got married at a very young age. And that was because I wanted to be out of my house. I did not want to live at home anymore. I wanted to escape the abuse I had suffered all of my life. But all I did was jump out of one fire into another fire because that marriage was extremely abusive. 
Um, it started with emotional abuse and then went into severe physical abuse. And so, you know, I had that cycle my entire life. So I didn't know how to break that cycle. All I knew was to be angry and to fight because that's how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And when you're brought up in that situation, you have a lot of trauma that you have to deal with. And I was not dealing with it. I was just pushing it back down. I like to call it stuffing. I was yeah. stuffing it back inside, but it would come out. Somebody would say something to me and I would just immediately snap. I was a very angry person. And, you know, everybody says, well, you could just get over it. No, it's not something you just get over. Yeah. You know, you have to work through that. And I did several years in counseling, trying to work through things. And, you know, honestly, what helped me the most was turning my life to God, because it doesn't matter how many counselors you sit in front of, when you don't have God on your side, you're just going to keep hitting those same pitfalls over and over and over again. I know I've tried it. Yeah. Wow. Um, So you, um, you and your husband, you um, you have two adopted children. So mm-hmm. this is November's National Adoption Month, and adoption is something very near and dear to me. So can you tell me how uh, it came about that you guys considered adoption? Yes. So in 2011, um, we were still trying to become pregnant, and nothing was working. I actually had surgery to clear my um, ovaries because I had some cysts on them and endometriosis and that was a painful experience. And then we started fertility treatments. And anybody that's ever been on fertility treatments will tell you it is miserable. <laughs> it makes us crazy women. <laughs> and so, um, so we were trying and trying. And then finally, um, in 2012, I found out I was pregnant. But before that process, I had just kind of knew in my heart we needed to adopt. And it was something that has always been on my heart for a long time. But I never knew why God had put it there. So we actually started our adoption process um, in 2012. And as you know, sometimes it can be a very long process. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I told myself in the beginning, I said, I'm not going through the foster care system. And and this is me just talking and I'm having this conversation with God too, you know, but I didn't want God to know I was talking to him when I'm telling him this, but (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm not going through the foster care system. We're doing private adoption and that's just all there is to it. Well, you know, when you say something like that, God's going to laugh and thump you in the head and send you down a different road. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we did choose a private agency and we had some troubles finding an agency to work with us because of my age and I was previously married. Mm. And so a lot of agencies will not take you on with those. So we finally settled on an agency, started the process of all the paperwork. As you know, there's a lot of paperwork to fill out. Yep. And then we got to make our little book. I don't know if you got to go through that oh, process. Yeah, we do. You know, the little book mm-hmm. and you're trying to decide on the pictures because you want the you want the birth mom to see who you are, but it's almost like you don't want them to see too much, but you want them to see enough to choose you, you know? Yeah. And so that book was a time-consuming process to put together because um, we had to do, you know, his family, my family, and I didn't have the family to show. So mm. that really, that was a hindrance for me because I didn't have the family to show in my book. Yeah. And so... Because you had like separated basically from your family. Right. Yep, okay. exactly. So I had a couple of nieces and nephews that I could show in there, but like I didn't have a mom to show. I didn't have my dad to show. I didn't. 
And that really brought up a lot of stuff for me, but I knew if I just did it, God would push us through. Mm-hmm. So, and um, let's see, it was November. I knew I was pregnant in October, but I didn't want to say anything because I knew that it would halt our adoption process. Yeah. And we had already been through everything, all the blood work, all the, and people might be saying blood work. Yes, they make you do blood work, at least mm. in our state. When you are adopted, they're checking you for all kinds of stuff. Oh, wow. No, they didn't. I didn't have to do any blood work with mine. So yeah, in wow. our state, we were required to do blood work. We also had to do a urine test to make sure that we weren't on any kind of drugs, that we didn't have HIV. We didn't have any kind of other diseases. I mean, the stuff they wow. put us through here is is a little bit crazy, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's a theme I think across a lot of states. It seems like the expectations are, you know, sometimes quite high and <laughs> a lot of hoops to jump through. So I don't think that's yeah. anything no- abnormal, but I had I didn't have to do the some parts of that. So yeah, my saying was during this, you know, maybe they should put some parents through this that are giving birth to children and maybe <laughs> this would, you know, help a little. But anyhow, yeah. Um, so. I had found out I was pregnant, but I knew something was wrong because my body just started having, it was like all the trimesters at once. Mm. And I was like, something's not right. So I went to the doctor to confirm that I was pregnant after taking 10 home pregnancy tests because I kept testing it. Going, yeah. Is this really true? You know? Mm-hmm. And so we went through the process and they found out that my blood levels were dropping significantly and they were dropping quickly. And I had a new doctor at the time because mine had retired. And she looked at me and she said, okay, next week you're going to come in for a checkup. And if this baby, if we can't see this baby on the ultrasound, then we're doing a DNC. And I looked at her and immediately said, you will not touch me. If God is meant for me to carry this baby, I will carry this baby. If God does not want me to have this baby right now, this baby will be taken care of by God. Mm. I said, but you're not touching me. And so the next week we went in and I seen the little baby on the, on the monitor, sorry. And, uh, Mm. I didn't want to cry today, Stephanie. Uh (laughs) I'm sorry. um, But, uh, I seen him and I, I say it was a him because this is the funny part of this. And this is a little personal, but. I had the worst gas and indigestion ever. (laughs) So I can only feel that it was a boy because only boys have that much gas and indigestion and belching. (laughs) (laughs) And so we ended up in December. It was a week before Christmas in December of 2013 or excuse me, 2012. Uh And we ended up at the hospital because I started bleeding and I had cramps so bad that I fell down at work. And so my husband took me to the hospital and they said, yes, you're miscarrying. But while we were in the hospital, my phone was ringing and it was the adoption counselor calling. And she says, we have two little girls from Uganda that need a home. They're not bonding with their adoptive mom. And um, she says, would you guys consider adopting them? And my husband goes, what do you want me to tell her? And I said, well, tell her we're just we need to pray about it and we'll call her back because I just couldn't even think about yeah. that, at that oh my time. Gosh. but then I started laughing and I'm crying with tears just pouring down my face because I'm having severe contractions I'm in pain and this phone is ringing with me trying to you know see if we want to adopt two little girls from Uganda <laughs> so then I start laughing and I'm crying at the same time going only God only God could work this out to you know bring this this little bit of pleasure right now yeah. you know why I'm in the process of having this miscarriage and so 
I went home that afternoon and I was just heartbroken because being a mom to me was something that I had wanted for so many years and I couldn't get pregnant. And then to get pregnant and lose a baby was just devastating. It was a pain that until you've been through that, it's hard to describe. So I, of course, like most women, supposed to be resting, but I couldn't rest. It was driving me crazy. So I get up and I start doing laundry because I, I think better and I clear my head when I'm cleaning and doing something. Yeah. So I'm in my laundry room standing there in the at the dryer and I'm just crying and talking to God and saying, why, Lord, why? I don't understand this. You know how bad I want to be a mom. Why? Why would you take this baby? And I just felt a peace come over me. Like I could... I could feel God's arms wrap around me and hold me so tight that I knew everything was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And to feel that peace and that love come from him. Oh my gosh. You can't until you felt that you don't understand it, but it's just, it was this warmth all over my body. And I knew somehow everything was going to be okay because he had it. Mm -hmm. He had it under control. And so it was a long process for me to heal from that. Um, being the week before Christmas was very hard. It was very hard for me to be happy. I had a lot of hormonal things going on. My neighbor, he, he's a he's a jewelry maker, and he built me this beautiful ring because he had knew what happened. Mm. And I couldn't even tell him thank you because I couldn't. Ha- I didn't have the words. All I could do was cry. And I just went home, and I just had to be away from everybody because I. I couldn't be around people because there was so much I was still dealing with, even though I knew God was there and it was going to be okay, but I was still hurting. Yeah. And that took some time to get over and I was doing okay, you know, and we were still moving forward with the adoption process and jump forward to May. Well, it was actually April, excuse me, of 2013. I started crying and I'm like, God, you know, at church, they're going to have all the mamas stand up for Mother's Day. Oh. You know how bad I want to be a mama. Can I just what? can I just say I hate that? I, I know it's a good <laughs> thing in the right situation, <laughs> but I have so many people where that is so complicated. So it if is. you work in a church, let's let's try to recognize. Yeah, let's yeah. way because there's women that hurt. And yeah. for me, it was a hurt. And it's not that I wasn't happy for those other moms yeah. because— I truly was, Mm -hmm. but it was a hurt for me. And when you're struggling with that, you understand, Stephanie, it's a hurt and you Mm -hmm. hurt and you can't explain that hurt because no one understands it. And I actually had someone tell me, well, just be happy for those other moms. And let me tell you, (laughs) as a mom who's struggling with infertility and going through adoption, don't say something like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not nice. It's really not nice. And, you know, or don't say, well, God has a reason you're not a mom, because that's not true. God Mm -hmm. has his own timing and own planning, and he's not a vending machine. We can't just, you know, put our request out there and push a button and ding, it happens. Uh Yes, sometimes I wish he was like that, but that's not how it works. So I was praying to him, and I'm like, please do not make me go to church without being a mama. I'm not going Lord. And I just was being bold about it. You yeah. know, sometimes you just have to be bold. Yeah. Well, we ended up leaving. We had a business trip to take and I don't know why something in my gut told me I was going to get a phone call about kids. 
So we're in Las Vegas on a business trip and I get a phone call about two little kids. And the adoption counselor says, I have a little boy and a little girl I would like you to consider, but I could tell something in her voice wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that these weren't supposed to be my kids. And I said, yes, we'll be considered, you know, because she needed couples that were willing to be considered because these kids weren't um, being put up by their mom. They were in the foster care system. And I was like, but I said, I don't want to go through the foster care system. I was like, okay, Jen, this opportunity is coming to you. This is number two. Let's do this. So I said, sure, I'll do it. But something didn't feel right with me, you know, and so it's kind of funny, but I was late for the trade show that day. And there was, it was a male dominated industry that I was in. And Mm -hmm. so they were like, why are you late? And I said, well, I got a call about some children up for adoption and I'm thinking about it, but you know, I don't know. And they're like, are they in diapers? And I said, no, they go, then do it, do it, you know, because you know, man, you know, <laughs> and I just was laughing. But yeah. And so that was in May. This was the first of May. And I thought, okay, well, we're just going to go home and let this ride out, however it's supposed to be. Exactly one week to the date, I got a phone call and she says, Jennifer, I have a little boy for you. And I said, okay, tell me about this little boy. And she goes, he's 15 months old. He's got red hair and blue eyes. Mm. And I literally fell down because my husband had said, if I want to have a little boy, I want a little boy that's going to have red hair like me. Well, God was listening. Mm. And so she goes, but wait, there's a catch. And I thought, oh, no, (laughs) what's the catch? (laughs) She goes, in two weeks, baby brother is going to be born and he needs a home, too. And I just was like, oh, I didn't even have words because how do you, I mean, what do you say to that? You know, you just are in, it's like a shock, you know, you're like, oh, (laughs) you know. And so I said, okay. And she says, well, I want to set up a meeting with you and your husband to come meet this little boy. And I thought, well, all right. You know, and I thought, well, it's foster care. It's going to move really slow. This is the week before Mother's Day, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So this is going to move really slow. No, we want you to meet him like tomorrow. Oh, and wow. I'm going, okay. Can we like delay it by two days? You know, cause I wasn't really prepared. And so we delayed it and we seen him two days later. So I just couldn't even think Stephanie, I don't know about you, but like, I just couldn't even believe this was happening. <laughs> I didn't know what to think. Yeah. I was just like in this daze. So I decided I'm going to go yard selling because I need to do something to clear my head and think through this process. So I showed up at this lady's house and I'm walking around. She goes, ma'am, can I help you? Are you okay? I said, I'm okay. I said, I don't know really what I'm doing, but I'm looking for something for my potential son that I'm going to meet. (coughs) Excuse me. And she says, come here. I've got something for you. And she says, she comes back out of her house with this teddy bear. She goes, I want you to give this to your son. I said, are you sure? She goes, yes, I gave this to my adopted son when he was little. I was just like, wow, God, Mm. you know, (laughs) so she gave me this little teddy bear and we're just talking and I don't even know how it ended up. She just had a yard sale. I don't know what just my car just went there. (laughs) It was a God thing is all I can say, because how do you meet someone like that? You Mm. know? And so we went and met him and the whole way. We had to meet him at McDonald's and I am literally sweating. Here is this woman who is almost 40 years old going to meet this 15 month old boy sweating and having panic attacks because I'm thinking, what if this boy doesn't like me? I don't know if I can do this again. You know, all this stuff is running through my head and my Mm -hmm. husband goes, 
would you stop? He's a kid. Yeah. And he goes, all little kids <laughs> like you. What are you worrying about? And I am literally soaked from sweat because <laughs> I'm so nervous to go meet this little boy, you know, thinking, what if he rejects me or what if he doesn't like me? And when I first seen him, I just thought, he is the most beautiful little thing I've ever seen with his pudgy little cheeks and his pudgy little arms and little pudgy legs. And I just yeah. like fell in love with him, you know, immediately. Mm. And we bonded right away. And him and my husband bonded right away. And so they, they called us and they said, all right, well, we want you to set up a time for him to come to your house for four days or for, excuse me, four hours. And uh, you can have four hours with him and let's make sure it's a good fit. So we went and picked him up from social services and we kept him. And the first thing that little guy did was come in our house and he asked for a banana and we gave him a banana and he sat down on the floor and shared it with our two dogs. I still have pictures of that to this day. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, he's going to fit in just fine. Oh. So we have to take him back to social services. And of course, I don't want to give him back, you know, yeah. take him back. And he grabbed my arm and started kissing all the way up my arm Aww. and then started kissing my face. And the caseworker said, that little boy has never shown that much affection to anybody before. Aww. And so then we got the phone call that he was ours. Yeah. And she says, and you know, this Sunday's Mother's Day, we're dropping him off to you Saturday night. Aww. And I went okay because <laughs> you, know, you just don't know what to say to yeah. that you know mm -hmm. and if you've ever been through the foster care system you don't know what you're getting you yeah. don't know what they're coming with he came with a couple of clothes and that was it I literally had no car seat I had no nothing yeah. <laughs> nothing there's not time to prepare for that you mm -hmm. know and so Luckily, a friend stepped in and she drove from an hour away from where she lives and she brought me all kinds of stuff to help me because I'm like, I don't even know where to start. What's this car seat thing about? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when I grew up, we didn't have car seats, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, it was good to have <laughs> different times, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's this car seat thing about? Yeah. You know? Seatbelts <laughs> optional, car seats, yeah. that's a luxury item. What is that? Yeah. Exactly. This is a luxury item. Yeah, yeah, I was the same way. I'm like, how do you put this in your car? You know, because you don't know. This is not something you learn, you know? Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Um, so we got the little boy and um, he was, it was <laughs> interesting to watch him for, for about, we had him for two weeks and then baby brother was born. And I have this picture of him. I'm sitting on the couch with this baby brother holding him, feeding him. And I have this picture of my oldest looking at me with this look like, what did you do? <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh, that's like, awesome. Why, mom, why, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was very interesting because they're 15 months apart. So it's like having twins. <laughs> right. So when the baby came, um, he was in the hospital for the first three days because he was severely jaundiced. Um, my boys have a, a bio mom that did the right thing for them by, you know, signing her rights away. She really did. Um, mm -hmm. She what I do know about her is that she comes from a past of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And so, you know, she had some trauma in her life and just took a different road. So, you know, when you're looking at these kids in the foster care system, the one thing I would say is please don't judge these parents. You don't know their past and what kind of trauma they've had, and they just don't know how to deal with it. 
They really don't. There's no one there to say, hey, let me come alongside you and help you. Mm. And these moms need that because a lot of these moms that lose their children into foster care are single moms. Yeah. And they're in a road of drugs or alcohol or abusive relationships or it's a poverty situation. So, you know, really being through this of the foster care and adoption, it really is an eye opener to see what the different situations are. Not all parents are abusive. Yes, there are some. And that is just how the world is, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But not all of them come from a physical or verbally abusive home, they're lost for other reasons. They're lost due to drug use or they're lost because their moms are in a situation that they shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different options. And that's one thing that I see in our world is that people are so quick to judge, even in the Christian community. And it breaks right. my heart. It really does because it's not our place to judge. Mm-hmm. It is not. We need to come alongside these women and we need to help them. We need to help them um, with four million kids in the foster care system. Mm. That is too many kids. That is yeah. way too many kids to be in the foster care system. We need to be stepping up and helping these women. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. So, um, little brother comes along, and did uh, did big brother finally get in uh, get on board with the idea of that? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, they've made it to seven and eight. Um, Okay, that's good. (laughs) They have a love-hate relationship. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that can come at any age difference. And then my my kids are like that, too. (laughs) They'll they'll defend each other completely, but they'll also be the first to get the other one in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Or, you know, they want to beat each other up or, you know, they're full boys. I have full boys. And I tell everybody, God does not give these kind of boys to weak mamas. You have to be a strong mama yeah. to have these kind of boys. <laughs> That's true. Um, wow. Yes. So, so um, what what do you feel like has been the biggest unexpected blessing along the way um, of your adoption process? Well, <laughs> getting two at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was not expected. I thought we would end up with just one. And that's all my husband wanted was one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, surprise, we got two. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, he's good with it now, but I just revert it back to, you know, God says he'll give you double for your troubles. <laughs> and he sure did. <laughs> you know? Two at once. So uh, what do you feel like, had, how did this affect your marriage? How did this process and... um the adoption and the what leading up to that? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when you go from having no children to two or even just one, yeah. I mean, it changes your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked together um, because he had his own business. So I was working with him with his business. So all of a sudden he didn't have me anymore for that, you know, and that kind of turned his world upside down. You know, I wasn't his right hand person anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I went being full-time mommy and I had to and I did try to work for a while but I was so exhausted that I was forgetting to pay our employees so that wasn't a good thing that's gonna be problematic (laughs) yeah just a little bit and you know I thank God that they were understanding but 
you know, I mean, that part of our marriage really changed, you know, from having, I wasn't his right hand person anymore, you know, so that changed his world a lot. In my world, it changed, you know, in our marriage that I didn't have my independence anymore, if that makes sense. You know, I was able to go to the grocery store whenever I wanted or go do yeah. whatever. And you can't do that now. You know, you have two kids to think about. Yeah. And and I know that sounds funny, but when you have little ones, just going to the grocery store is not an easy task, you know. And so oh, yeah. you have to learn to adjust and and you have to learn about you know, these meltdowns because they're hungry or they want us, they want that banana, you know? And so <laughs> I would just be crying going, I don't understand this, you know, why, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't know. And when you don't have a mom or a grandma or an aunt or someone in your life that has been that role model to come alongside you and help you, you don't know what to do, you know? So you really have to just try to figure it all out. Um, So that part of adjusting to being parents did put a little bit of strain on our marriage. You know, we had to learn how to integrate them into our life. You know, it's an integration process, as you know, Mm -hmm. Um, your house goes from quiet to two kids. (laughs) Yeah. It's not uh, sometimes it's not all cute and cuddles and rainbows and kisses. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some trials and that's okay. And especially like in our case, um, with the adoption, because it is a foster to adopt when you go through the system, at least here in our state, you're doing a foster and then you get to adopt. It doesn't happen right away. Our first son, we got him on May 13th of 2013. We were actually able to sign his adoption paper on November 22nd of 2013. So um, mm-hmm. we were very blessed with him. The second one, that adoption took two years. Wow. It is a process. So you have to have a lot of patience yeah. and a, you, you need to have God on your side to do this. Um, it is in our case, we still had parental visits. She uh-huh. had not terminated at that time. We still had parental visits and that brought up a lot of trauma for my youngest. He would have screaming nightmares after having parental visits. Uh-huh. Um, that is very hard. So you need to fully understand that these children that are coming to you have histories. They may be coming from, you know, a parent that was drinking alcohol. They may have been using drugs. So, you know, just understand that it is a blessing. These children, they need someone to love them and care for them. Um, They need someone that's going to be understanding and patient and kind and you need to understand that, you know what, like in my case, yes, I said I only wanted a baby, but you know what? I got two. Mm-hmm. I got a 15 month old and a newborn baby. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of children out there that need to be adopted and there's there's teenagers out there to be adopted, too. Yeah. You know, they, they really need a home. They need someone to show them that love. They need them to be there for them for their for their good days and their bad days because they're going to have them. Um, But, you know, it's a journey that until you've stepped in it is a journey that you won't fully understand. But you do need to have God on your side to do this. And you need to have a strong support system. Mm -hmm. You need family around you. You need friends around you. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some naysayers in there. We had a family member tell us, oh, you don't want to do that. And da da da. And I just had to push, push that out. 
push it out mm-hmm. because they don't understand it. I actually had a family member tell me, we just want these children to be normal. Well, I don't care if the child's adopted or not. There's no normal. We're not all normal. I'm not yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and what does that even is, mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I wish you could be normal. Yeah. You know, what is normal? Right? Who is define normal? Um, uh-huh. You know, but these children, it's a blessing to them, but be alert that you are, you're going to have some obstacles along the way mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's okay. Pray through them together, yeah. but love them. Mm-hmm. I know several people that have adopted and I've seen what they have gone through and not all of it's easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, you get lucky and it's really easy. And sometimes you've got challenges, but you know what? Take what God has given you and go with it and trust him. Yeah. I think it's um, it's really amazing that you were able to adopt siblings. I think that mm-hmm. um, when my husband and I were looking to adopt, we we had, we planned to adopt um, biological siblings and um, it it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. And um, the kids may not know as much about where they've come from, but they have this person that's been with them a lot of times since, you know, since day one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't imagine going through my life with without the, I don't know, the shared experiences of a sibling. And um, I mean... The, you know, there's plenty of kids that don't come from that situation, but it's um, it's really powerful when they are when that does work out for that to happen because it's just somebody that that knows what you've been through and that um, you can you know when you're feeling like you know having a bad day as they get older, you know they've they've been through those things with you and um, I think it's it does a lot to to help bonding and they there are so many kids in the foster system especially mm-hmm. that are sibling groups and so mm-hmm. being just being open to it you know that may not be what um what comes your way or that opportunity may not present but being open to it was a huge blessing to us and so um yeah god god's yeah. blessed that tremendously yeah sibling groups are ones that don't get adopted a lot but you need to be clear and you need to pray it out with God before you start this process. Yeah. Because you need to be prepared for what is coming into your world. Mm-hmm. Um, like for us, I had no idea that social services would be in my house once a month. Yeah. Checking to see how everything was going, checking to see how our house was, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. So you need to be prepared for that. And you really need to think through and pray it out um, with a child with special needs. And, you know, is it a you know, there's, there's different aspects of special needs. You know, you have some with minor special needs and then you have some that are on the other end, you know what I'm saying? And so you really need to be open and be very clear about what you are looking for, for you and your family and what will fit. You also need to be very clear on, you know, is it that you you maybe don't want boys. Maybe you want just girls. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know what will work for your family. And you need to be very open to different races. So mm-hmm. you, it's, it's a process. You have to talk that out with your spouse. Yeah. And you have to decide together, I should say, what is best for you as a couple and as a family. What mm-hmm. is going to work? Um, right. 
I have a family that <laughs> they no longer have children because they're retired, but you know, they've, they've adopted several children and they've had foster care children and they've had foster care children in and out of their lives that were of all different kinds of race and background. And you know what, that caused a lot of, um, uneasy feelings in their family and things were said by family members and that hurt them and that still hurts them to this day. Yeah. So you really need to pray it out with God and pray it out with your spouse and decide what is going to work best for you because you don't want to take a child into your situation and then cause more trauma, even though you may not have meant that to happen, mm-hmm. but you need to be prepared for that. So you've been a mom now for several years. Um, you're homeschooling your kids, right? Yeah. That's, that's quite an undertaking. So (laughs) you, um, you then after how long, I don't know, at some point you felt God calling you to maybe something more. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, the kids were how I'm trying to think. It seems like the years all run together, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, It got to the point where the kids were starting to get, you know, the age of four or five. And I just really, I love my children. Don't get me wrong when I'm about to tell you this. I love them and they are a blessing from God. But I really started going down a road of a little bit of depression because I wasn't able to be as social as I normally was. Being out traveling and just all of a sudden being at home. Yeah. And I started getting a little depressed. And and part of that was lack of sleep, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And um. So I just really got on my knees in my bedroom and I just started crying out to God. And I'm like, Lord, I know there's something more. I thank you for these children. They are a huge blessing, but I know you've called me to something bigger. Now, would you please show me what that is? And so I went to bed that night and slept for the first time in a long time. (laughs) And uh, he showed me a vision of a building. And in that vision, I seen the women in this building and we were teaching them. And there was a little daycare area for kids. And I thought, okay, what am I teaching them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so God just kind of laid out the plan for me of what I was supposed to be doing. And I went, nah, you're not talking to me, God, you know? (laughs) So here, let me turn the sheepskin over again and see. (laughs) I have to be the tester. Yeah. Um, So um, I had talked to my husband about what God had shown me and he kind of went, now you're supposed to be just a mom. And I was like, okay, so I just pushed it aside, you know? Uh-huh. And a year later, I went to this training and this was the first time I'd been away from my kids in a while. And yeah. I went to this three-day training and I just was like, Lord, I got to get out of this funk, you know? I've got to get back to me, you know? Yeah. And I'm just, I'm in this funk and I can't get out. And so he's like, I told you what to do. I've Uh shown you the vision of this center and how you're supposed to be helping in your community. And so I went to the pastor here in in the town that knew me and we started talking and I told him what my vision was exactly. And he says, okay, well, my doors are open to you. And I went, okay. And so I went, I'll think about it. (laughs) Just keep thinking. (laughs) I'm just going to keep thinking. Yeah. So I, another year went by and I, <laughs> I went away to a week long training. Now that's scary when you leave your kids for the first time for a week. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. even though they were old enough, but, um, because this was in 2017, beginning of 2018 uh-huh. and, uh, but still, you know, I mean, I know they're old enough, but leaving your kids is scary, you know? <laughs> right. So, so 
I went along to this training and at that time I did I wasn't following God's plan. And I'll tell you, when you're not following what God's telling you to do, things happen in your life. You let in things that should not be happening. And I was just beat down, wore out, fallen into depression. It wasn't good. And I had to stand in front of these people and they had to tell me what they seen in me. And I'll tell you what, you want to have your bottom kicked, <laughs> that will kick your bottom. Yeah. So I got very angry at myself and I said, this is enough. This is not who I am. And I was talking to God and he's like, I'm not telling you again. I've shown you what to do. And I could just see him up there with his hands folded, looking at me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for you to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to listen, Jen? You know, right. and so I was like, okay, this is it. I'm stepping out. So I went back and I talked to that pastor and I said, okay, here's my plan of attack. I said, this center needs to be open. And the reason why this needs to be open is because we need to help moms. We need to help moms learn the skills that they're not learning. And so he says, okay. And I said, and if we can save one mom from losing their kids into foster care and keeping their children, then I've done my job. Mm. And so um, he said, all right, go get your nonprofit. And I said, but I don't have an address. He says, you're going to use the church's address. I said, okay. So I thought, all right, I got six to eight months because that's how long the IRS takes and getting everything through the state approved. No, it was all done in three weeks. So wow. apparently God had just been waiting on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we opened up Rahab's Heart. And um, it is a place where women can come and we teach them things like how to heal from your traumas. We really focus on helping them heal. Um, we have some incredible coaches that have come alongside of us to help us. Because some of these women come out of domestic violence situations. And so we have a program made for that. It's a 15-week program we offer them based on Psalm 23 to help them heal from that trauma. We also have a mindset coach that comes in and works with them. And that is another 15 to 24-month program, depending on the lady, because some of us, like me, are a little hard-headed, and it takes us a little bit longer. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and so we, we really teach them things like that, and we teach them things like budgeting and banking, and we have a complete career program for them. And, you know, we just, we come alongside them and we show them the love of God. And through that love of God, they know change is possible. But the key to all of it is, is that we work on their four key relationships with them. And that's our relationship with the spirit, their self, their family and others. Because without those relationships being strong or forgiven and we move on, you're going to keep falling in the same cycles. Right. And so that is our mission behind this. And we really just want these women to be lifted up because when they can know their worth in the Lord, mm -hmm. they can do anything. Yeah. And to have a mom keep her children and be successful is huge. That's awesome. It's, it's huge. And yeah. so we have women come to us that have their children, but they're on government assistance. So we help them break that cycle of being on government assistance as well. Because that is a, that's another vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, when you don't have the skills you need to be able to go out there and thrive in your community, you don't know anything else but that. Mm. That's so good. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of confidentiality that you have to respect with the situations, yeah. but can you maybe share a little bit of a story with us um, about somebody that uh, came through your ministry? Yeah. So we have a lady, um, 
She is divorced. She came out of a domestic violence situation. She has four children. Uh Three of the children are now adults and on their own. But unfortunately, they all took wrong turns um, because of the situation they grew up in. Uh They turned to drugs and got in trouble with the law. And so she still has one at home who's a teenager, but she is still working through the program where she's into it a year right now, but she's still working through it. Um, And that's okay because some people take a year, some people take two years and that's okay. We are there for them at the long haul, but she had some other issues that she needed to break through. She had some mindset issues holding her back with her weight where she couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she had, she believed in God, yeah, but she gave up on God. Mm-hmm. A lot of these women do that because they're like, why did God do this to me? Well, God didn't do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God doesn't. One thing I've learned is God doesn't put us in these situations. We put ourselves in these situations by not listening to him. Yeah. And so she is still working the program, but I'm so happy for her because she has finally decided she wants to be a virtual assistant. Uh-huh. So we're helping her get her own website up and get going and doing some things. And she's actually stepped forward and come to me and said, I want to help you with the nonprofit so that I can get more experience. And so she's coming alongside of us as part of her training to learn different things to be a virtual assistant. So the change in her has just been incredible. If you could see her face, like it was beaten down and just, she just didn't feel any worth. And Mm. now she's shining and she's glowing and she's happy and she's, you know, she's working on her weight and she's working on coming, overcoming her past trauma still. And yeah. I'm just seeing so much growth in her and it's just amazing to see the transformation in her yeah. and just watch her bloom and blossom. And we've been blessed with people to come alongside us to help us with things that are teaching her uh-huh. new tools and new skills so that she can continue to grow and become a virtual assistant. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I know that that has to, that's a world of difference. I mean, people are coming in. How, how do they find you usually? Like, how do they come across your ministry? <laughs> Actually, most of people have found us online or through okay. our Facebook page under Rahab's Heart. Okay. Um, we've done very little advertising. <laughs> it's been all word of mouth. Oh, okay. All <laughs> and right. so I just feel like it's a God thing, people coming to us. Um, he's brought us the ones that have needed to come to us. And, you know, not every woman that comes to us is is perfect they they drop out of the program and they come back and that's okay yeah but you know I'm the type of person because of what I've been through I can share my experiences with them to show them that it's okay of your past God can forgive everything and move forward and wipe your slate clean Mm -hmm. and but we don't just keep pulling them along either in the program does that make sense so they yeah if they don't gotta be their choice Exactly. It has to be their choice. If they don't show up and they don't commit, we release them from the program because it's not time. Right. Wow. Yeah, I think that's that's so I mean, it when you're being brought to a place of transformation, you mm-hmm. have to be really ready for that. And that's huge of those women to take that step to come to you because that right there is that means that there's a desire for change. Mm-hmm. 
and they realize that there's a need for change and um, that you guys are offering that. And that's, I don't know, I think it's a, a picture of the gospel in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of sometimes like approach avoidance, like we're, we're stepping forward. We're going to, we're curious, is this going to, is God going to be faithful? And, you know, is he going to meet all of my needs and maybe something happens and we get scared and we're like, never mind, God, I can't trust you. But it's, then we come back. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, that's true in so many ministries of people that I've talked to is that there's a lot of clients that might start and and stop mm-hmm. and then come back later on. And um, I think that's, that's amazing that you guys, you know, welcome them back with open arms. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is, we want you to, to, to do this when you're ready. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's awesome. Uh, so you have recently written a book and can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my book, I decided to write it after, <laughs> well, God prompted me to, and I said, nobody wants to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> and again, see my hard head getting in the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That happens. <laughs> um, but, uh, God was like, no, people need to hear your story. And that was very hard for me to accept that because of what I went through in my childhood, my first marriage and going through this adoption process, that was hard for me to be able to put that out there. And I really just had to come to a place of trust with him. But of course, you know, me and my hard head, I put him off again. Okay, yeah, I'll get to it one day, God, you know, yeah, (laughs) I'm too busy doing dishes to do this right now, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was in a mentoring session and we were talking about how to talk about your story. And my seven-year-old was sitting in the kitchen with me. And he goes, mom, your story. He goes, you are to write your story, mama. He says, it's your story, mama, to tell. You need to write it. And mama, it's to have your name on it and your logo. You know that pretty logo you have, mommy? That is to be on there too. And I just looked at him and started crying. And I was like, okay, God, I'm hearing you now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so... (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing if God can't get to you in one way, he's going to get to you in another way. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so um, I wrote the story called Rahab's Heart. Um, it's called One Woman's Journey to Becoming a Servant of God. And so um, I wrote that because, like I said, God, <laughs> he has a way of talking me into things, you know. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I wrote my story. It's not all of my story, but it's a good portion of my story. Of mm-hmm. what I went through in my childhood, what I went through in the middle part of my life, and what I've what I've gone through up to get me to this point of opening this ministry, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm feeling okay with it because it was really hard for me to talk about that and talk about my past and talk about my adoption process because that's something that I've struggled with is yeah. letting people know that I'm an adoptive mom and that's something I had to work out with God. Yeah. Um, not everybody understands adoption and a lot of people have prejudgments and prejudge you for adoption. And, you know, he just showed me, he said, what do I say in my word? We are to take care of those children. Mm-hmm. We are, we are commanded to do that. So being an adoptive mom, like you are, and like I am, and like so many other, are, you know, that is showing glory to God. And I just need, needed to be okay with that and be proud of that. And, yeah. Step out there and put it out there so other mamas can see. And so people could see that no matter how broken you were or what you have done in your past or how you grew up, it does not matter. God can still use you. 
I think that he uses us because we have a story to tell Uh and people need to see that you don't have to be this perfect, you know, stand up. Nothing has ever happened to me person. You know what I'm saying? To be used, you know, we're real and Uh that's just who we are. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's a book by Henry Nowen called the, the wounded healer. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, a lot of how God uses it. He takes those wounds from our past and helps us to be able to be a part of the healing process for others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the beauty of um, of the scars of the traumas and um, all the difficult stuff that we've been through in our past. And I know um, your childhood was a mess. You know, you <laughs> I you were went through you know, things that nobody should go through as a child, Mm -hmm. especially, but in a lot of ways that, um, I mean, in so many ways, God has used that. You could Mm -hmm. still, I mean, those, those traumas were not from God and and you could have chosen to be angry and bitter and just kept them to yourself, but instead you're allowing them to transform your purpose in life. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's beautiful, and that's that's what God um, wants to do with each one of us is not just allow our scars to be hidden and um, just kept to ourselves, but when we when we bring things into the light and when we are open and we know that everybody has those scars that we just don't don't always see, we start mm-hmm. to realize like i'm I'm not alone. Ever, other people have been through this trauma, and let me show you how. God has taken this trauma and God has done something good with it. And God can do the same thing with you. And I think that's, that's beautiful. And that's, you know, he's so worthy of praise for that. Yeah. That's why I wanted to write this book after he, you know, thumped me in the head a few times (laughs) Uh because people need to see that and they need to understand that transformation is possible. And that's what we do at the nonprofit. We really show these ladies that transformation is possible And, you know, I've been so blessed to have women come around me, support me and come on board with this ministry that have used their transformation to now be helping the women that come into this program. Mm. So praise God for that. You're never too, you're never too damaged. You're never too broken. Mm -hmm. It does not matter. God can still use you. Mm. That's awesome. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking your time and this Saturday as we're chatting to um, to talk with us about you know adoption and your ministry that you have started and just what God is doing in your life. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have me on and I hope that this story blesses someone else and that they'll consider going through the foster adoption process. Great. And your book, um, by the time this episode is out, we're going to be able to find it on Amazon, right? Yes, that is where it will be. <laughs> awesome. As an ebook, you said, right? Yes, I'm going to do it as an ebook, correct? Okay. And um, I don't know. I may surprise everybody and put it on our website as a free download for a while, too. You just never know where I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, how can people uh, find you, contact you? Sure. Just go to rahabsheart.com, and that's just like Rahab in the Bible. Okay. Um, R-A-H-A-B with an S and then heart.com. 
Mm-hmm. And you can go right to the website and there's a contact form on there and you okay. can email me through there and learn all about the nonprofit. And we actually throw up some freebies once in a while on there. If people are interested in following the journey of the nonprofit that you can get some free downloads. Like right now we have one up there, the four ways to help a woman break the chains of poverty. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, yeah. And tell, yeah, so tell me one more time the name of the book. Sure. It's actually named after the nonprofit. It's called Rahab's Heart. And okay. it's one woman's journey for becoming a servant of God. All right. Well, thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. All right. You too, Stephanie. I loved hearing how God took the brokenness of Jennifer's past and brought so much joy from it. And I love that the pain of her childhood propelled her to be a blessing to women who feel shackled by poverty. God is so faithful. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please go by Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. You can find me on faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.